Today, we're back with another on-air coaching call. After our last on-air coaching call, which was episode 36, we received an overwhelming response from you, Smarties. And we're excited to say that we're still accepting applications. So if you are interested in being considered for an on-air coaching call with us, which is complimentary, but we will be sharing on the podcast, obviously, please email us at rachelandstaff at learnsmarterpodcast.com and we'll send you the application. Additionally, if you don't want your coaching calls shared on the podcast but would like to work with us, we'd be honored. And you can email us or go to our website, which is www.learnsmarterpodcast.com, and click on the Work With Us link. Today, we're back on air with Meg Cunningham. Meg lives in New York with her husband, Mark, and their sixth grader, Owen. Listen today to how we guide Meg to begin cultivating independence in her sixth grade middle school student. We often talk about how difficult the middle school transition is for our students, and in this episode, we explore how it's also super tricky for parents. We dig into how Meg and her husband can start helping their son to start organizing his time. We also delve into a discussion about whether an incident or an academic failure is actually a single event or a larger trend. We also then coach Meg on how to start including her son when she's advocating for him with the eventual goal of self-advocacy. As always, don't forget to listen until the end to hear our final thoughts on our conversation with Meg. Let's dig in. You want to learn faster, but sometimes working harder is just not the answer. You have to learn smarter. The Educational Therapy Podcast. Hi, Smarties. Welcome to episode 40 of Learn Smarter, the educational therapy podcast. I'm Stephanie Pitts. And I'm Rachel Kapp. Today on the podcast, we're very excited to have our second on-air coaching call, and we're welcoming Meg Cunningham to the podcast. So welcome, Meg. Hi. Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Rachel. So nice to meet you both. (laughs) It's nice to meet you too. (laughs) So Meg came to us when we put it out there that we were looking for people who were interested in doing an on-air coaching call. And Meg emailed us, and now here we are. I think Meg emailed us probably an an hour and a half after that episode went live. (laughs) Yeah, when we saw your email too, we were both like, whoa! (laughs) And the other thing that I think is worth noting is I'm on the East Coast and you guys are on the West Coast. So this podcast crosses many miles and many houses and many parents. Well, excuse me while I go take a moment to cry. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes we don't know our own uh, reach. Yeah. You know, that's why we started this. So that's very cool. Thank you for saying that. And I've shared it with my principal at my son's middle school, the assistant principal, his two teachers and his reading specialist. Okay. Well, now I'm really going to need to go grab a tissue. (laughs) Thank Thank you you. so much. You're welcome. (laughs) There's nothing like it out there, and I've been looking. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. So let's get to work. Let's get <laughs> So, okay, so let's just start out with, um, tell us a little bit about where you are, about your family life, about your son, all of those things. Uh, okay, I'm going to mix up the order a little bit. I have a beautiful yeah. son. His name is Owen, and he's 12. He's in the sixth grade here in Long Island. and um, he is a groovy mix of my husband, Mark, and I. 
who were not um, the youngest parents to get in the game. Uh, and he's our one and only. Okay. And I'm the director of business affairs at a large advertising agency. And my husband, Mark, has his own business. He's a manufacturer's rep. So we're busy folks. I grew up in a house of six kids. And my grandmother lived with us. My cousin came to live with us. We had dogs. And my dad used to say, when we go to parties, what can my girls do? So what he was doing very unconsciously was teaching us to break through a lot of those, I don't want to go talk to an adult. What do I say? You know. So it was go help somebody with their coats. They need somebody to get some ice. You know. And so we immediately, some of us took to it a little bit more than others, but you learned how to talk to adults. You learned how to look them in the eye. You learned how to shake hands and all that Mm -hmm. sort of kind of stuff that doesn't Mm -hmm. really get taught in a lot of other places. Um, And my mom was a teacher and a stay-at-home mom, and they were extraordinary people who I was really lucky to have uh, for a short period of time. And my husband is the baby of four, and it was a slightly different house, although we grew up in the same town. And so what Owen has is a really big extended family, but it's just the three of us. And that in and of itself for me is an adjustment. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you bat back and forth all the guilt of like, you know, that of an only child. And then we go skiing in Vail over Christmas and he's sitting, you know, in Beaver Creek. So his life is okay. Um, I was just going to say. <laughs> where it becomes an interesting thing is, he fell a couple of times and a friend of ours that was there with us skiing said, he was like, Oh, I need your help to get up. And he said, no, you don't, you can do this yourself. And he was like, no, I don't know what to do. And he said, all right, well then stay there. And he eventually got himself up. And we were talking later at lunch that day. And he said, mom, do you think I'm doing a good job? And I said, do you think you're doing a good job, buddy? Like, are you having fun? And he's like, Oh, I'm having a great time. And he said, I wish I felt as confident in school as I do skiing. Now, this is his second time skiing. It's not like he's, you know, Bodie Miller. And his confidence as a 12-year-old is evolving in lots of places. But it was striking to me. What we hear at parent-teacher conferences is because everything is a rubric and there's numbers and all this sort of stuff. Um, And so he's capable of a four and a five, but he's only working to a three if he could just put more effort in. And where we struggle the most is independent working and all that sort of stuff. And what I don't want to do is find him in a place where he's like, I'm stupid because I didn't do this. And he has said that once or twice. And I've said to him, dude, we just have to figure out, he's got this little pal in his class who's very organized as a student <laughs> mm-hmm. and she's a higher learner and they're in a the book group together. And, and she says to him um, something about, you know, getting organized and, so we talked about it and he said, you know, mom, I've seen her locker. She's not that organized. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and organization can look really different to different people. Yeah. Right. What I love about this school is we had him in the parochial school. And so back to, oh, he was born um, in November, but he was due in mid-December. So he came out five weeks early and he was not crazy tiny. Uh, he was a little over five and a half pounds at 35 weeks. And he did all of his growing on the outside. He is the size of an eighth grade kid, but he's in sixth grade. So the assumption that teachers made in his kindergarten through second grade is that horrible assumption, which is he should, he should, it, uh, this, mm-hmm. you know, I expected this. And they never talked to the kid. They talked to the seat. 
Um, so we took him out. Um, and the transition to public school was beautiful and seamless. And we had him evaluated. He had, um, a special ed teacher for a little while because he had some decoding issues. And my husband has dyslexia and mm-hmm. I have two sisters who are OTs and that's occupational therapist. Yes. Sorry. Occupational therapist and both spend time in the school district. So I was hyper vigilant, uh, going into school mm-hmm. and you had the resources. Yep. Well, and I thought to myself, I've got a boy and we gave he's him the big. gift of time and he's big. We gave him the gift of time. So he will always be old for his grade, which I think is a good confidence builder right there. Mm-hmm. However, in the course of this situation, when he first got into this group, because he did have an IEP at that point, he was a little bit of a delayed talker. Um, but once we figured out how to unlock the switch, there was no stopping. Now we can't turn it off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's an auditory student like his mom. And he very much likes to know who's in charge. So he worked really well with the special ed teachers. We did the Wilson technique there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with that teacher as well as his classroom teacher. And it was a game changer. And now reading is not this horrible struggle and he very much enjoys it. And now we have audiobooks and all that sort of fun stuff. So reading and this book group at school is turning into, you know, another level of it. And so where I struggle is how much of this is age appropriate, you know, Mm -hmm. and where can I introduce some supportive measures so he can find the toolbox that's there and then go to the toolbox and take out the right tool because that starting part for him. You did another podcast at one point about how teachers use portals and and stuff. Mm -hmm. His his world is on an iPad. They don't bring books home. Um, Mm -hmm. They literally have a book that they read for the book club, but for class and school and all that sort of stuff, everything is loaded. And so if it's on Edmodo and if it's in a place, that's great. But if there's something set in the classroom, you're supposed to finish something. You're supposed to do this. There's no mechanism. He's like, I'm out. And then it'll be nine o'clock and he's like, oh, mom, you know, I think I was supposed to do that. Oh, that late night emergency. That late night emergency. You know, the good part is he's he's 12. So the emergency is, is manageable. Right. Of course. So I just wanted to ask before we get into that, what, um, when he had the IEP, what sort of background like diagnosis does he have? Does he have one at all? Yeah, what qualified him? He, uh, his reading was below, way below grade level. Got it. Okay. Okay. So he no longer has the IEP, right? So we went into third grade with an IEP and by the end of third grade, he had tested out of it. Good for him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He still has a little bit of supportive reading services because they have 85 million state tests for the Common Core. And so after a series of them, the lexicon numbers tell you, this is this and we wanted this. And so he has a, he was pulled out last year um, in fourth and fifth grade, he was pulled out. But in sixth grade, she comes in and she works with other kids. She does push in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And at your school is sixth grade elementary school or middle school? Middle Middle school started in fifth grade, which initially I was like, oh. what? That's crazy. But uh-huh. what it does, um, because the district is really big, they do two separate K through twos and then third and fourth. We're in a building together. And then yeah. five, six, and seven are the middle school. And high school starts in eighth grade. So where you have all that transition oh. time for changing classes and lockers and all that sort of stuff, they do that in fifth grade where the workload is different. And then by sixth grade, you're expected to work a lot harder because you're not getting adjusted to all this other stuff. And he has said to me on occasion, 
So they have things like lunch lab and, you know, the coding lab and all this sort of stuff. And I said to him, you know, you like these teachers, you know, you guys also suggested things like what's his currency. So he loves Mm -hmm. morning intramurals. He loves to go in the morning. I'm a morning person. He's a morning kid for sure. He, He peters out at the end of the night. I'm like, okay, dude, shut it down. Or get up early in the morning. I'll drive you to school and you'll finish this up in the morning. Mm. Like that's, that's a no brainer to me. Yeah. Cause he's just wet. He's just better rested. Mm-hmm. We were working on something and, and I said something about, you know, going for extra help and he's just like, Oh, well then I have to leave. He always has a reason why he can't do it. I'm like, dude, then you don't really want to do it. You know? Mm. And he, he said, mom, it's just not as much fun. You have to do real work. Sixth grade now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's true. It's it's a big difference. A it big really difference. is. It's a big difference. Yeah. What is this currency exactly? Well, on Mondays and Fridays, it's intramurals to go to school okay. and run around with the kids and have a great time and do all that sort of stuff because it'll be intramurals and then it's gym class. So physically letting it out is great. Got it. I wonder if there's a different currency that we can pick because I don't want to make physical exercise optional. And I'll also add this, when we are talking about currency, we're talking about what is the motivating factor. I'm not sure we need a currency for him yet. I'm not convinced because it sounds to me like he's still intrinsically motivated and he still wants to figure it out. So I don't think necessarily that's the avenue that we have to go down unless doing something quote unquote extra for him is so difficult for him to get going on. No, it's not. It's not. Okay, good. He's at that critical juncture that we talk about a lot on the podcast of when we have these kids who are either in puberty or about to go through puberty, everything shifts. And that kind of motivation from being intrinsically motivated and wanting to please an adult to being extrinsically motivated and not wanting to please an adult and wanting to please themselves shifts. But it sounds like he's still in that moment where we still have him a little bit. Right? Yeah, he still cares. He still wants to impress you probably. And his and himself. It sounds like yeah. himself, right? And his teachers probably too. So we run into a couple of things. The word sorry. We'll talk about that. And one of the other things I've learned is if Owen's in charge and he doesn't think he can, like his teachers have been half the size of him. Um and he's had mm-hmm. tremendous respect for them, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he senses, again, he's a beautiful little boy. And so I say to the teachers all the time, the world is going to be very kind to him because he's white, he's handsome, and he's a nice boy. Mm-hmm. Feel free to make him dig in a little bit, make him, mm-hmm. you know, make Grittier. him work for it a little bit. I, I need that because um, I, I think that there's a lot that just comes easily to a backpack assumption, you know? Um, yeah. In certain areas, in certain, you know, situations. What's a very interesting piece for him in terms of the motivation. So not only did he say that I wish that I felt as confident in school as I do when I ski, but he also says when they have to do those initial things at the beginning of the year, I'm the son of Megan Mark. I like sports. I like this. I like this. And then he said at the beginning of fifth grade, social studies makes me uncomfortable. And I was like, he really uh, likes history. He really likes history. That doesn't make, that's like social. And then I realized, oh my God, it's the social part of things. So for Owen, currency motivation is summer camp. So again, I'm one of six. My husband is one of four. We didn't do, we didn't know from sleepaway camp. Two summers ago, Owen went to sleepaway camp for the first time for two weeks. He had never been, he knew no one. And he 
loved it. Up in New Hampshire, had the best time. And it's the simplest of things. They live in a bunk. There's 10 boys. Yep. There's a lake. Yep. There's bad food. There's, they're and there's autonomous. He's there independent. Is he decides no electronics. when he showers. Yep. He, he takes such pride in the fact that there are no electronics. He'll tell you like, mm-hmm. and there's no electronics. And isn't that great? And so he wanted to go back this summer, this past summer. And we were like, seven weeks is a really long time. And we were talking about him starting the second session versus the first session. And then I'm thinking okay, so we're going to send him to baseball camp because we think that's a good idea. But he really wants to go up there in the beginning because he likes to be there at the beginning, not the kid that has to come in after mm-hmm. the fact. Yeah. So where the safe place is for him and where his confidence comes in, he's got food allergies. And so I make these muffins that he takes to school and his little pal that has an organized locker, but you know, <laughs> she's his pal. He's like, mom, Angie really likes your muffins. She thinks you should open a bakery. <laughs> <laughs> How cute is he? <laughs> he is. He is. So he very much feels remorse and disappointment, you know, mm-hmm. um, and yet he gets angry. Like it's, he's got all your emotions good. from inside out. He, he, yes, and often good. they go together. You know, there was another great book that Corey and I talked about for years. And, and I think she even knew the writing. Corey is our business manager. I don't think we've ever talked about her on the podcast. Yes, so you yes. know you know somebody who works for Steph and I. Yes. <laughs> that book, um, How to Talk to Your Kids So They'll Listen and How to Listen So yes. They'll Talk. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. My friend Annie and I laugh all the time. Annie is the seventh in a family of eight. It's like there's no way that our mothers ever worried about this level of right. yes. you know, social consciousness and, and you know sensitivity training and all that sort of stuff. And we survived and we did great. And it's not a judgment or a guilt or any of that sort of thing. It's just the realization that it's a very different time. Yeah. And, and as, and now I'm the parent. (laughs) Yeah. And you're realizing that your parents didn't have all the answers. I, I remember when and where I was when I realized my parents were improvising parenting every single day because I thought (laughs) that they had all the answers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the, the question is, let's talk about homework since that sounds like you've told us a little bit about the transitions are hard for him. So what does that look like at home? So it'll be on the portal. It'll be on, Mm -hmm. you know, school for one or Edmodo, whichever one it's posted on. And he can follow the task. I'm going to interrupt you because that's already something to take note of. The fact that there's more than one location where he's going to have to go to the search for homework. There's more than one option. Yes. Okay. This is something we talk about a lot that is inherently doing a disservice to our kids if we're not teaching them, that they have to look in multiple places to gather up all their information. So that's number one. I don't think the information is different in either places. I think it's the same information in both places. So like Edmodo comes to the parents, but he can also find Edmodo on his iPad. Uh And then School for One is the place where, you know, the same information is posted there. Got it. Okay. So it's a little bit different than having to go to two places. Where it becomes complicated is if there was something that was said in the classroom mm-hmm. and he might have benefited if he wrote it down, you know? Yeah. Okay. So does how does he keep track of his time? Does he have a planner or a calendar? So you guys introduced us to this great idea and we try to do it Sunday night, but we're not very successful on it. And that's okay. really what we have to do. We have Mm-hmm. have to we have to get something that works as a legitimate process yeah. for 
that calendar. And what were you using? Were you using Google Calendar? Or well, he has using- a calendar in his iPad, but it doesn't sync to us. And I don't know whether it should sync to us. You know what I mean? Because Mark and I share a calendar and we share a Google Calendar, not the iCalendar, mm-hmm. but always calendar at school is the iCalendar. Right. And he can put in an event and all that sort of stuff and set a reminder and do all that sort of stuff. He ignores it. <laughs> I actually like the idea of you guys sitting down once a week mm-hmm. and making sure that the calendar is fully loaded. Um, Steph and I have mixed feelings about using the iCalendar because you can integrate Google Calendar to that. Steph, where do you land with her and this family structure, given that he's still young and in sixth grade, on sharing his personal calendar? There isn't anywhere, there isn't anywhere he's going. That we don't know where he's like, you know what I mean? But that's not the point. No, that's not the point. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking, though. First question. I have a question. Does he have a phone? No. Okay. Okay. So that that makes a difference. Okay, so I do think that he should have several calendars. I think he should have his whatever he's doing after school Personal calendar. The social stuff. That one is shared with you. His homework one, his school one, I think should be his own, but you mm-hmm. can be you can go in and look at it whenever you want. Absolutely. And the reason we say that it doesn't matter that you know where he is all right. the time and he's not of course you do, he's still young. Right. He yeah. needs to know. Yes. I, he still needs to I know. realized that after I said that that that's really why you're saying it cuz he has to take ownership of it. It'll be a transition for him to take full ownership over over it because you're still the one making the doctor's appointments for him. Exactly. But that needs to be something that's on his calendar and he sees and plans for moving forward. So we had a situation last week right. where they had a paragraph they had to write. The first paragraph they wrote together as a group, and then the second paragraph he had to write himself. Mm-hmm. Information, you know, that he had to extract from a different source kind of a thing. And mm-hmm. Um, he didn't do very well on it. And then you bring it home and you have to get it signed. And, and so we talked a little bit about it. And, and I said to him, did you read it over? He's like, no, did you, you know? And so we go through all that sort of thing and he has a math tutor on Tuesdays, but he's not just a math tutor. He's a tutor that can do a variety of things. And, and it was just a crazy busy week for me. And it didn't trigger to either my husband or my son I didn't know the paragraph was coming in in fairness, but the point is it would have been a great opportunity to work with his tutor on this paragraph. So I have a solution. What day does the tutor come? He goes to the tutor on Tuesdays. Fantastic. Sunday nights as a family, I would love it if you guys could create a structure. First of all, Sunday night is a school night and we need to remind kids that you have to get back into the school mindset. We do that. It's like electronics are off. In the afternoon, great. You know, that's it. You're done. And I would add a caveat that electronics can be turned on when you're all sitting down and updating your calendar and walking through your week together. On Monday, this is happening. Does everybody have that on their calendar? Even if you and your husband do, you're teaching him this skill, right? And it will start to happen faster and faster. So give him the time and space to add something to his calendar. Again. It it can be a personal family decision whether to add it to iCal or create a Gmail with his name at gmail.com, which is what we would do if he was a client. I would have him create his name at gmail.com because professionally he'll need that at some point, very likely. And so have him take that back for me. So yes. If we create a Gmail for him, he'll have a calendar. 
to be able to have a Google calendar, not the iCalendar. Yes. And you teach him to put things on his Google calendar moving forward. Okay. I'm taking notes, ladies. I'm okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, I would do it on a computer and you let him choose the colors for his school stuff and for his after school Mm -hmm. social, whatever you want to call it. Stuff. Make sure it integrates to his iPad. He needs to be able to have access on that on his iPad. That may be a little bit of an issue because I don't know if we can do that integrating to his calendar on his iPad. Because it's blocked by the school? I think so. But I'll find out. I'll, I'll find out. Find out. Find out. Because uh, I have a, a lot of kids that use iPads for school and they can put Google Calendar, on the app, exactly. on their iPad. Okay, so, so you're I'm, not necessarily using the calendar app, but you're using the Google Calendar app. Funny sidebar story. Steph uses the Google Calendar app on her phone. And I use mm-hmm. the the native Apple calendar. Yes. And Steph challenged me maybe six months ago. She really wanted me to move over. She just feels the Google Calendar app is better. But I was stuck in my ways and used to the Apple Calendar app. I gave her a week of me using the Google Calendar app. Uh-huh. And then I went back to mine. <laughs> but my calendar is all integrated through Google Calendar. There is a way to do it. But if it's blocked, just go ahead and use the Google Calendar app. Yeah. I have some reasons why I like the app much better because you can do the reminders and things like that. But you cannot change the calendar that it goes on, which w- was ultimately what set me over the edge. <laughs> you Right. But you can do it on you can do it on. Yes, the but I didn't want that. That wasn't a, this isn't a side conversation. So here's the other thing. We have an extra laptop that um, we don't use and we could give that to him to use for that. Would that be something? Yeah, but this is a Sunday, this is a Sunday afternoon, sometime on Sunday at a structured time where the three of you sit down together and you're all updating your calendars and making sure that if there are events that you need to share with him and put on his calendar, appointments and such that you've made, that that is happening on a weekly basis. Because you want to show him that updating your calendar is a daily activity that we all do. But that's too far-fetched of a goal for a kid who's right. never used right. it. Right, right, So what we would like to have happen is the family sit down on Sunday, and I know Steph is knowing what I'm about to say, coach the tutor up. That's the first thing that yep. they need to do when they're in session together. You need to coach the tutor up and tell him you're going to be the second time during the week where he is updating his calendar. And that has to be the first thing that happens because you don't need to be a part of it. And the tutor would have seen that assignment. Yeah. So the big thing is, and I was doing with this with a kid yesterday who's been a little (laughs) resistant and putting when the assignment is due but then also putting when you're going to work on it. Exactly. So I listened to this suggestion because you did this suggestion in a previous podcast. So now well, we have it in a conversation though. And so that's always this part of like, okay, if it's if we have to leave at 7.30 in the morning and we have 20 minutes, what is it needs to be done and what's going to be the most important thing? So we're, we're trying to integrate that in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works. And sometimes of course. Yeah. There's always going to be that though. I would say have the first step of this like Sunday night family time, calendaring fun or whatever you want to call it. Calendar time. Uh, it's calendar 
calendar time. Yeah, like right, right before dinner calendar or right time. after dinner or something. I would just yeah. have the first step be, let's just make sure everything's in there because that's already a higher level of accountability than he has and a higher level of awareness than he has right now. Then the second time during the week by Tuesday, more assignments have been assigned. And so that's the opportunity for the tutor to help him implement that into his calendar. And he will get coached up on this so quickly because the students who come into our practice, we don't even say anything to them anymore. Um, I say, you know what you're supposed to do. And they go ahead and they do it. That's great. The second thing we want to make sure to highlight is that his assignments need to be put into his calendar on the day that they are due, not the day that they're assigned. Yep. And the third thing that I wanted to ask is what is his school schedule like? Because this really factors into when you put the assignment into the calendar. So if it's a schedule like every Monday is the same, every Tuesday is the same, every Wednesday is the same, I would go ahead and put all those events in as repeating events because that's where he needs to be at that specific time. And then the the assignments get put into the calendar on the date that they're due within that individual event. Does this all make sense? It does. It does. It does. So what's his school schedule like? So um, currently, until the end of January, there's mm-hmm. play practice on Mondays and Thursdays and Saturdays. Um, Tuesdays, he sees the two. So that's after school. That's after school. So so what's his school's, like his actual class schedule like? Is it predictable? Oh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like he's got a piece of paper. It's every day the same. So he's got a piece of paper. Oh, great. In his folder that are his classes. He doesn't even refer to it. He just knows what he's doing. Like he knows what his schedule is. Yeah, he's memorized it. See, and I do things a little bit differently than Rachel does with the individual thing. I make an all day event with the, the student when something is due and I put reminders in. Talk to me about that. I do that for tests and quizzes and papers. But if it's a small assignment, that does, isn't going to require much back planning, it goes into the individual event. I love when Steph and I podcast because these are conversations we get to have. So I do use all-day events. But Steph, why don't you go ahead because I actually think that's going to be more powerful in this case to do it your way. Because the littler ones are issues for him. So then they need to be all-day events. They need to be all-day events. And a lot of the kids that I work with, it is the littler ones. Um And they seem to have already in their brain that they know that they have a test next Tuesday. And I really, I challenge them to not have it just be sitting there thinking about it. I know it. I don't need to put it in my calendar. So there's a little bit of a pushback sometimes. But with the event, all day event for a small homework assignment, even if it's assigned today and due tomorrow, I still make them put it in because that's the practice. And I might sit there and say that what we're going to do tonight might be an event or have something that like pops up with the notifications because you can do that in Google Calendar so that it pops up on the iPad like you need to be doing this at this time. So all I might say... That's what I need to figure it out because... Yeah. So I might say, okay, when one of the big things that we also talk about is knowing how long things are going to take you. So if he knows that his math homework, for instance, is going to take 20 minutes, then I might say to him, you know, at the beginning of of when I do sessions, we'll decide how long is everything going to take and what time does it make sense to try to do it. So I might block out a specific time in an event with a notification. And that's literally clicking a little box. 
to turn on the notification. So in the event, say the event is I have to read two chapters of my book and then the notification pops up inside there, you're saying? Yes, the notification will pop up like in your notification screen on the iPad. You can have it to say, do this at this time. And you can have right, it pop up right, 10 minutes right, before right. or an hour before or whatever it is. And and then I literally block out the time. For the notification or for that? So let's just give an example of an assignment. He has two chapters that he has to read. He was told on Monday about it, and it's due on Wednesday. So theoretically, he could do it on Monday night and Tuesday night, or he's going to decide just to do it on Tuesday. The conversation that Steph would have with him is, how do you want to break this up? How do you want to chunk it? He says to her, I'd rather just sit down and read two chapters. Steph says, how long is that going to take you? He says takes me about 15 minutes a chapter, so we're going to budget 40 minutes on the calendar just to give him a little bit of extra time. Steph goes into his calendar for Tuesday and has him block out that 40 minutes that he is going to do the reading. So he's planning to do that. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. And we're going to decide, you know, some kids knowing when the best time to do homework is important because they usually know. So it sounds like since your son is a morning person, it's probably much better for him to start right after school. So we know we schedule in, he gets home. Let's say he gets home at 3.30. He has a snack. He starts homework at 4. So 4 to 4.40, he's doing Mm -hmm. reading. Now, it's also really important when you're scheduling to start with the hardest thing first because that's when you have... Thank you. This is right. And this is where we have a parenting block in my house because Mark will be like, well... And I said to him, I'm all for giving him a choice, but then the back end of it is you're having the battle because he did Khan Academy math because that's the thing he wants to do first and get it out of the way. It's like, no. That's that's a little bit of the reward. And that's if you literally explain to them about brain power and how with his iPad, you know, once it's draining, how the battery works and how things don't go as well and the apps don't work so that he needs his brain is going to be the most efficient right after school. The first thing I wanted to add to this is that a homework assignment is not complete until it's in the teacher's hands. So a common objection to adding something in their calendar is, oh, I already did that, which they may have done that, but it's not complete until it's in the hand of the teacher. So that's something that we have to teach our students. The second thing I wanted to share is about this brain power energy and about doing the most difficult thing first. I, yesterday, I literally had a conversation with the student where I told her I wanted her to do the test backwards in math because the hardest problems were at the end, and those were the problems that were draining her the most. And if you looked at the first 20 problems of the math test, they were wildly easy and required zero brain power. <laughs> so there's lots of different ways to take advantage of the amount of mental energy that you have. Hardest thing first. So that just – you and your husband – You and your husband have to come together before you have this first calendaring session and just say, first of all, you can have him listen to this episode and have us explain all our reasonings for it. But just say, we have to come together on this one specific point. And I know it seems silly to you, but it's going to have, we're going to get the most reward for our dollar, so to speak, if we teach him to do the hardest thing first. Part of it too is that I'm in the city and I'm at work. And so Mark is working from home and the mm-hmm. whole idea that he should just be able to do this by now and he should just be able to sit down and do it. It's like, mm-hmm. 
our job is still a guardrail. We still have to do that. And I get that that's really hard. So then on top of it, you have to take the hard thing first. And so- Well, and I would also add, anytime as a parent, you're saying he should be able to when you're referring to your child, that's a really good moment for you to kind of self-evaluate because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the age of the child. He's not doing it yet. He's not ready for that kind of independence yet. And that's okay because he's still, we're not talking about a senior in high school here who's about to go off to college, right? Right, right. Like we're talking about a kid who's still in elementary, well, middle school. Right. And so maybe some of his peers are doing it, but I guarantee you some of parents of his peers are still on their kids about homework still. And And doing this calendar and coaching up the tutor in a way that's really it's really smart to have the tutor be the second point person on this because he's not, he really needs at least uh, it'd be great if he was doing his calendar every day, but he's not going to no. doing it twice a week is almost the bare minimum. And you don't have to be involved that second time. Well, and so Mark is Owen's basketball coach and um, uh-huh. he's been his basketball coach for a couple of years now. And, and he has a friend this year working with him. And the biggest difference is that there's someone else who coaches your kid. You know, a a huge piece of this is that you have to also understand that there needs to be other people come in to help with Mm -hmm. perspectives and all that, and that he will behave better for other people. Totally. The other thing that I, in, in terms of kind of the homework experience with Owen, and I said this to the teachers when we went to teacher conferences, like he'll take a math test and there'll be three parts to the math test and he'll have gotten the first two and he'll lose a point because as he says, mom, it was a simple mistake. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, but you made that simple mistake on those two tests. And so to your point, go back and do the last one first. He can't do that on a test in the classroom. But what they did was they said, circle it, underline it, put it in a box. So you know what it is you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And it's just getting him to reinforce that part of it so that he does that and that's and yes, and that's a separate thing because like we talk about all the time, we need to start and focus with one thing. Yeah. So our goal for him right now is to learn how to keep track of his time. Yep. And that's where we have to start. And once he's doing that and doing it independently and doing it every day, then mm-hmm. we start looking at the bigger picture things like mm-hmm. how can we teach him to be more efficient with studying and doing his work and all of that. But when you're not keeping track of your time and knowing what assignments and what's going on, mm-hmm. how long they're going to take, how and- long it's going to take, all of those things, that is really the first step in becoming a better student. So you have to start there. It's a strategy. It's absolutely finding the strategy. That it's works. you're building the foundations yeah. right now. So if last week we released an episode, which we'll link in this episode, since I'm talking about it, about how educational therapy works. And the first stage of it is that assessment piece, because we have the assessment phase. Oh, your ABCs. Phase. I listened yes, to Yes. And Yes. And the competency phase. Yep. And in that assessment phase, we talk about getting the systems in order. So him learning the skills to go back on a test, that would be in the building phase. You're not there yet. Okay. Let's get his systems in order. And that, and for us, that means his organization of his time and his organization of his stuff mm-hmm. so that he knows where everything is always. We believe that our students should on demand be able to produce whatever we ask for whether or not they have that class tomorrow. And because we don't always work on things in order, especially in session, 
So he needs to have that organization. Right now, all we're talking about is organizing his time and building that muscle for him because it will take time for him to see why it's important and why it's valuable. Mm-hmm. That's going to take him a hot second. Yeah, especially because at his age, those are the kids that want to put down – I had a kid do it again the other day. When there's a test to sign, they put it on the day that they've been told about it. Mm-hmm. That does nothing. Every kid seems to do that because they don't see the value in looking ahead and being able to see what's coming up. I had a I had a 11th grader do that and I you know, I have a very good rapport with her and I said, "What's the thinking behind this?" cuz she's more anxious. She's on the more anxious end. Mm-hmm. And she goes, "I'm just afraid I'm going to forget." And I'm only seeing her once a week and I said, "I am going to see you." Before this event even happens, before Mm -hmm. this paper is even due, I will not let you forget, but I guarantee you, you're not going to forget it by putting it on the day that it's assigned or I'm sorry, the day that it's due. Mm -hmm. And if the fear is forgetting it, which I don't think is in this situation, but I just wanted to kind of go there for a second. That's when the opportunity to create a back plan and say, okay, let's put something in your calendar. So every couple of days, we're either reminding you about it or we're do, you're taking an action step to prepare for it. So two examples I can give you. Um, if he tells us there's a test, I took that cue because I heard that in one of your podcasts that don't put it for the day that you heard about it, put it for the day that it's due and then have the reminders pop up along the way. And so mm-hmm. we do that if we're not perfect. If it's then. appropriate. Right. Right. Um, and so there was a book, this book group that they're reading and they had to read over the Christmas break. And he had... A number of pages that they had to read. And then he also had to do con minutes. And so the con Academy minutes identify it as focused versus other. And so mm-hmm. he would get stuck with having to do, like, I knew I had to do my 80 minutes by such and such a date. We talked about how many minutes he would have to do each day. And we didn't do it the first couple of days because we were on vacation. Okay. So then what does that mean? That's going to add more time you know, so, okay, we'll do that. You have to do more later, right? And then the book, um, the whole book group decided that they would read 60 pages or something. So we, we broke that down also. And mm-hmm. what ends up happening is he gets there that day to school when everything's supposed to be finished. And he's the only kid that didn't have all of his math minutes. And he, he didn't read the last chapter because he thought he heard them say it was read up to 35 and they were supposed to read up to 36, but they were supposed to read chapter 35. And so he was so bummed. so mm. bummed. And what I said to him was, sweetheart, this is a great piece of information here because he's not that, again, he doesn't have a phone. And so he's not an email kid like, or text kid like, Hey, you know, there wasn't that point to say, what chapter do we have to go to? Because in his head, he was like, I only have to do it to 35. I only have to do it to 35. I only have to do it to mm-hmm. 35. Um, and the math piece of it was he just miscalculated. And yeah. so I wrote to the teacher and I said to her, you know, he's bummed. He's really, really, really bummed. I said, I'm fine with it because it's a great motivator here. Um, I just want you to be aware. And they were great. They're like, he ha- he's done it all the time. There's nothing mm-hmm. about, you know, all your life. They're not upset. They're not upset. He is. And, and so I just, I wanted to make sure we were all in place. And one of the things when we had gotten one of the state test 
back. I talked to the assistant principal at one point about it. I was like, there was a meeting to discuss it all and we couldn't make the meeting. And she's like, so I'll take you through it. And, and one of the things she did was give a piece of paper for the week that broke it down into 10 or 15 minute increments, kind of like what we're talking about doing on the Google calendar. Mm-hmm. He kind of likes that idea, but I'm the one writing it and I don't want to do that. And so then I said to him, stop, do the, you're going to do the writing. What are you going to do here? Which one is more? You have a choice. You have this much reading to do. Do you want to do the reading before it or do you want to do the math? You put that in there. And so- Yeah. I think one of the things that we've talked about before is when you're creating a study plan or you're creating a plan to do things, it's figuring out first and foremost what days you're not going to do anything. Yeah. So knowing on a future situation where you're going on vacation and he needs a couple days of a break. Right. Then building that in automatically so that it's not going to be every day because that's not realistic for him. And, you know, if at first him typing it in, that's why, you know, maybe doing it on the computer is going right. to be really good and easy. Yep. Um, and, you know, you're doing your calendar simultaneously. And I put that, mm-hmm. you know, with the air quotes that even if something is in there, you're pretending to do something. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and planning it out so that he's just doing it alongside you. And so that he's practicing and showing you what he's done when he's completed it. The other thing I wanted to add with this specific instance, when it's predictable that he's going to be reading a book, this is why I tell my kids my expectation is that you're at least one chapter ahead of where you need to be. Because then, first of all, he'll, he'll be motivated, I think. Yeah. By this idea. By, yeah, yeah. After this. Yeah. Um, especially after feeling so upset about it. So bummed. Oh my God. So bummed. There's nothing that says you can't. Sometimes I've had teachers actually say, don't be ahead. And I go, ignore the teacher because <laughs> I know you and I know we need to over plan for you. And if there's ever an opportunity where you can either go to the movies or have reading to do, I would rather you go to the movies, totally. wouldn't you? So go ahead and then be, quote unquote, be ahead and then get caught up with the class and go to the movies. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing that says he has to read at the pace that they've dictated. Okay. (laughs) The principle of adding a buffer day for those who haven't had the opportunity to listen to that episode yet, which we will link in the show notes, is that let's say a test is on Friday and you find out on Monday. And that Thursday, you go in and you immediately block out as a buffer day. That means that there is no new information you are learning the day before the test. We use this in a couple different ways. First of all, it forces our kids to realize, oh, I only have three days to study. I only have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, because Thursday, I'm not allowed to learn new information. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah. And that takes out the cramming that they seem to think works. Yeah. Yes. And and the other thing that it does is that it allows them to mess up one night. Say they, right, Tuesday went off the rails, they have Thursday. No big deal. Drag all the events over one day in your Google Calendar and you're still good. This is, so we want to teach, I mean, Steph and I have been talking about doing an episode on what we call security deposits and insurance policies. Right. And you mm-hmm. you start to learn as a student I'm really bad at this, so I need to trick myself. And or or I don't ever want to be in that situation ever again. I'm gonna always make sure I read at least one chapter ahead of what they thought because it could happen again. Right. And the reason I know it could happen again is because it happened once to me already. Right. 
And I don't want to have that happen again. So in an episode earlier this week that I was listening to, you talked about that when some kids with executive function have fires, for lack of a better way to say it, and mm-hmm. they don't know how to put it out and what to, to do and it. what their next steps are. You know, there yeah. was a there was a metaphor or an analogy that you guys use, which is literally like they have to know they have the toolbox. They have to know that the tools are in there and that they have the capability to get to the toolbox and say, I need a wrench or I need a hammer. Did we say that in an episode? You did. It was so <laughs> incredible. And, and I've now shared it three different times in conversations because Thank I feel you. like that's the crux of it. It's yes, it's organization. Yes, it's calendaring. Yes, it's helping, you know, how you get from point A to point B. You also talked about the fact that executive function is the end goal and that figuring out how to get there. And I think for me, that was a big aha moment because I I thought executive function was a step along the way. Mm. Oh, interesting. What episode did we say this? (laughs) Either 34 or 37. It's like, you know, you have it as the best of or... I bet it was episode 10, Steph. Oh, uh uh-huh. We forget what we say. So then you guys remind us because it it resonated with you and we're like, oh, that's... Sometimes I get that feedback and I'm like, oh, that was really smart. (laughs) It's such a great kind of literal, you know, I always call my husband, Mr. Literal Pants, because part of it is he hears it and he gets very stuck, you know, don't get hung up on the word here. Let's talk about what's behind it. What's the intention behind it? Mm-hmm. And I think that my son, our son, kind of can get that way too. And he's much more willing to pivot than a 55-year-old man can be. And I adore my husband to the bottom of my yeah. soul, but, you know, they're flawed. And as Corey says, you know, it's a village. (laughs) (laughs) That it is. Um, He's a kind of distracted kid too. Um, Like little boys are. Um, I'm not going to use that as an excuse because they end up running the country. And so they figure it out at some point. (laughs) Okay. However, we, you know, we'll be sitting down at the table and, you know, he'll be doing homework and I'm at my computer doing work and Mark's doing his work. And that's the whole point. We're modeling that idea of like everybody's doing mm-hmm. their things that they're responsible for doing. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. he's supposed to be doing something and I'll hear, hi mom, how you doing? How was your day? Oh. <laughs> Listen, that kind of charm is going to serve him well. Ridiculous ladies. Ridiculous. So it's going to serve him very well. How cute is that? I love it. I love it. And those are, we have a lot of kids who are like that too. Don't we Steph? I mean, who will come in and yeah, yeah. oh yeah, and I, I look at them kids. and they're telling they're me so the most fun. animated story, and I love them so much. And I look at them and I say, I know what's happening, and I'm going to need you to finish whatever you're doing before. And I'm very interested in the rest <laughs> yeah. of the story, so please finish it efficiently so we have time in session. Right. The other the other thing that I'll I wanted to make sure <laughs> that I said was everything we're talking about in terms of the calendaring you guys are going to have to be very hands-on initially with him on this and teach him the steps. And even you could create a checklist of like, first you go here to check, then you go here to check. Then you ask mom, mom, is there anything on the calendar that I don't already know about? Then you ask dad, dad, is there anything that on the calendar that we haven't already talked about? Do you have a checklist of any kind that's like a template for calendaring? We have the calendaring checklist, which is from episode two. Steph can 
email it to you. Do you like that I just assigned that to you, Steph? <laughs> yeah, well, that's my job. I know my I know my role. Uh-huh. <laughs> the other thing that I realized, I use the calendar checklist all the time in session because this is in, in that early phase. I just print it out and show students what needs to go on your calendar. The one thing I realized this week that we didn't add to it, which we should have added to it, was birthdays of people as an annual event. They should always know the birthdays of family members and we should teach them. And and as you get older, you know, all my friends are married now. I try to remember anniversaries, but if I didn't write it down and if I didn't write down the year they got married, I would never know which number anniversary. And I want to be a good friend like that. So I write it down to be a good friend. That same story about him missing the math minutes and the reading was one of his little pals was moving and they were having a party and we had made muffins. He was bringing them. He was so excited. Are these the muffins that these are the you're going to open? Yes, that Angie really likes. The famous muffins? But he muffins? was so bummed because he missed most of the party because he had to go do reading that chapter. And he had to go it's do it. It's not going to happen again. And he was, uh, it was yeah. really hard. I'm, and as a parent, I'm sure you're like, oh, screw the reading. Just go to the party, right? Well, like, there was a part of me, again, I was, you know, <laughs> I went to parochial school for 12 years. So there's a part of me yeah. that's like, there was a reason for that. And there's a lesson and all that crap. And and then I think to myself, my dude really needs those chances to be with his past, yeah. you know? Yes. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we prioritize we the social a lot important. and we tell parents a lot that those opportunities sometimes are more important than getting that reading done. But this is a perfect moment for to explain to him, like those types of things do not have to happen ever. And so when I get a client that comes in the door and the mom or the dad is like, they are so busy, but it's their choice. I swear I'm not overscheduling them, which, you know, could go either way in Los exactly, Angeles. Yes. Um, and for the most part, it's I do. I have these highly motivated kids who want to participate in all these things and want to volunteer because the college drive is so intense. I'm talking about high school students. They absolutely can accomplish everything that they want to accomplish, but they have to plan for it. And he could have gone to this party yeah. if he had backplanned for it and known that it was important and prioritized it and gotten everything else that needed to get done, done. So two things, two things to that. He, not unlike a locked consonant, with a decoding, with a kid with ish, with a decoding issue, mm-hmm. when he would hit a word like anger, he didn't know how to progress, so he'd shut down. You know, mm-hmm. once he figured out that n yeah. that anger has the ng sound and that those the, the, those two letters together do it, that was a game changer. In this situation with the reading, for him to unpack the part that was, I didn't even realize that I had the wrong information because everybody else in the yeah. group knew it and I didn't. How do I help him in that situation to just be sure that he's written? Because I, I, again, in my mind, I was like, if you had just jotted it down and turned to Angie and said, this is what we're doing, right? Is that one of those building things that's so far down the road right now? But You know, I I think yes and no. I think if it's going to be a longer term project where he isn't seeing his pals every day and going to school, like it, it sounds like it was over a break or something. That maybe he does – you help facilitate a check-in with Angie or whatever with a phone call or an email or something. Mm-hmm. So I was saying because I think this is a different nature because it was over a longer term and that's – like the kids get right. out of the groove so quickly that they are not checking in constantly, right? So And he could have heard the correct thing 
And then memory is so unreliable exactly. that he switched yeah. it in his brain. This sounds like something I would have done. Me too. That I totally. Would, yes. Me too. I think a check-in when there's a break and there's a bigger assignment with one of his buddies to double check that he's heard the right thing, I think is a great strategy to start using. Are there multiple examples of this or are we taking one example and deciding this is a trend? Because sometimes these things just happen. That situation where he, something was determined with the group or there was something in the classroom and it got broken down in communication like a telephone game by the time it got home, if it wasn't in the portal kind of a thing. It's like a variation on a theme is the best thing I can say there. So it's not an everyday situation, but we do have a February break coming up and I'm sure there's going to be an assignment involved. And so I am going to do that. What is a other issue here is um, they don't hang out after school. You know, they're all crazy busy and he does mm-hmm. different things than they do. And so because he doesn't have a phone and because they're not texting, he doesn't have that comfort to say, I'm going to reach out to Anthony or I'm going to reach out to Dante or I'm going to reach out to Angie. So I have mm-hmm. to figure out. These the, names, I swear. <laughs> the idea, I, I have to, not I have to, what we're trying to do is find places where he's confident enough to reach out and ask that question because that's what stops him like a locked consonant sometimes. he He's nervous about it? Yeah. He doesn't want to look like he doesn't know it or I don't know. See, I, don't know. I think this is different. I actually think this is different than the scheduling. What we're now shifting the conversation into is a discussion about self-advocacy. And I would tell you that in sixth mm-hmm. grade, students are not used to advocating for themselves yet. No. So we as the adult do it. We as the parents do it for them. And these conversations that you're having, like, for example, you went ahead, and I'm not saying you did anything wrong, so don't walk (laughs) away and say, Rachel said I shouldn't have done that, because that's not what I'm saying at all. Now those moments where these things are happening, I think he needs to be a part of those conversations at this point. Make it very safe for him. He's not necessarily going to be the one to sit down and write the email and explain to the teacher that's so vulnerable for these kids, but you can show him the email that you're writing. Is there anything you want to add? And you start modeling mm-hmm. it. The another, another thing, I have two more ideas. Another tool that we use a lot um, in our practice just to help with business is Loom. And Loom is a function that allows you to record and it immediately creates a link and somebody can go watch the video. I love the idea of you doing a Loom with him where he's sitting with you and you're talking to the teacher and you're doing all the talking. Again, this might be too vulnerable or exposing, but these could be your stepping stones. And and he can add in then. You guys can have a conversation, record it for the teacher, send it to the teacher. Teacher's going to love it and be like, what is this app? Yeah, 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 yeah. The third thing, the third step of this whole process is bringing him in to the conversation by literally having an in-person conversation with the teacher if it's feasible and possible for your schedule. It's not always going to be possible for you to walk him into school and model that conversation with the teacher. But you can also say to the teacher in your email, I would really, I really want him to start learning how to advocate for himself. And can you help facilitate a conversation where he feels super safe and even though he's vulnerable, where he feels super safe about this? Wow, that's, that's registering a lot. 
right now for me. And and I, I think to piggyback on that, I think that's great, getting the teacher involved, but also picking a safe friend. And I would suggest you calling the um, parent and asking if you guys can get on board with the the having the, the kids talk to each other on the phone so that maybe – because a lot of kids text nowadays and since he doesn't have that capability, this is why I'm going for the phone, that maybe you – pre-facilitate a conversation so that when he calls this kid or you call and the mom puts the kid on the phone or whatever if he doesn't Mm want to do the initial call i'm okay with that just the only part i want him to do is hey dude were we supposed to read chapter 35 so they do have a instant message kind of okay during the week he's totally fine to do that he'll reach out and you know they'll great good they do they do do that um great that's we just fantastic. recently had a conversation about one of his little pals. And I said to him, dude, you know, you and dad go to basketball games on Friday night. Do you think, you know, Dante might want to go or Anthony, I can't remember which one it is. And he's like, mom, his parents don't speak English. And I'm like, mm. what, why would you say that? And he said, well, cause I heard them. And I was like, dude, that could just be their second language <laughs> or, mm-hmm. you know, English is their second they language. Could still- they could still have, they could still have, you know, yeah. They still, I still would be able to talk mom yeah. to mom there, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It, is, it is absolutely uh, comforting to know that at this age, they're not really supposed to be that well-versed in self-advocacy. And no. and, that and I would talk about it with, and I would label it and I would say, I label it. That's exactly what I was going to say. Label it. So he knows what it is. The first act in learning how to do something new is knowing what it is. And so back to the beginning of our conversation. When my dad would walk us into a party and say, what can my girls do? Uh Mm -hmm. That was very early advocacy work that he did for us because it was very safe and we were there. Uh, You know, he, listen, I love my dad, but he was not the most evolved guy in terms of this kind of Well, he said the girls, what he didn't say, what could the boys do, right? Well, because there was only one and he, you know, it was, uh, yeah, it was absolutely not. Uh, But we, you know, you brought your own catering crew basically with all of us there. And so- you know, to prevent entitlement, to prevent lack of motivation, to prevent, you know, that. Yeah. Well, no, it's teaching vulnerability too, right? One of the goals we're releasing, we're recording this in January. Next week, we're recording one about SMART goals. Uh, We're releasing an episode we did about SMART goals. That episode will have come out by the time Smarties are listening to this. But yes, yeah, so yeah, so you'll you'll you can go back and listen. But one of the kids, because it's the second semester, so I did smart goals. One of the kids, the goal is that he has to talk to one teacher a week oh when there's something he doesn't understand. That's and genius. That is his goal. That is genius. And he's in seventh grade. Yes, we're talking about two big projects. We're talking about we want you to focus on on the calendar. And really what we're doing is fostering independence and he shouldn't be there yet. This is going to be a process that's going to hopefully go on a couple of years Mm -hmm. until you really see that he's doing it and updating his calendar independent of you. And at that point, it'll become a routine of the family anyway. And then the next step, once you see that he's kind of, you know, he's able to be kind of independent when you guys are sitting down and doing your planning time and your tutor has been coached up on this, on how to do that. The next step is say, you know what? The next time something like this comes up, I've been thinking about it and 
I would really like you to advocate for yourself. Here are some times where I, as the parent, it's my job to advocate for you. Here are the times that I've done it. And give him those examples so he knows what you're talking about. And then say, I want to kind of transition that responsibility over to you. I'm not abandoning you. It's not like you're like, on your own, dude, bye. But I at least want you to read these emails that I'm writing to your teachers. I want you to be a part. What do you think I should say in these emails? And that's just starting to get the wheels turning. He might be resistant to it. And it might, and at that point, just say, yeah. I just need you to read this email over. Right. So here's you know, a funny you just story. Scale it back. Here's a funny story I have to tell you. So again, he's an only, and we like to travel and we take lots of vacations. And when he was little, we'd go to warm and sunny places and there'd always be another family or two or three other little kids. And I always had a prop of some kind that you're thrown in the water and we're, you know, all of a sudden there's a play group happening there and he's happy as, as all get out because he's got other pals to play with. And my husband, Mark, at one point was like, those people may not want to talk to us. I'm like, those people are fine. They have kids. They're happy that their kids have somebody to play with and they can have an adult conversation. Trust me, they're fine. So as our vacations progressed, this would happen. As he got a little bit older and I would, I would do that again, he would stop me and say, mom, I know what you're trying to do here. You're trying to get me to talk to that kid. Totally. <laughs> totally. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you that's how many we teach we teach what our expectations are. So there are times where I'm, um, I'm going to give an example from a student. I'm sure Steph's going to be able to figure it out who the client is, but I have a, he's in 10th grade or 11th grade this year. I've been seeing him for a couple of years and he's a special kid to me in my practice. All my clients are special, but this has been a long-term relationship with this child and his family. And he continuously will make silly mistakes on math because he's really naturally gifted and doesn't want to do any of the compensatory strategies to ensure he doesn't make these errors. And he goes, and one of the things that I would say to him, he has ADHD. I'm like, this is the ADHD at play. And so now he says to me, I know, I know, I know. This is the ADHD. <laughs> and so like we teach, we teach our kids our, you know, our ways and our, that's why we are encouraging parents to call things what they are and make, make it clear that you shouldn't be doing this yet. But it's my job as your parent to stop. I mean, I saw this on Oprah once and it really stuck with me. And I think I've said it on the podcast, but at a certain point, parents go from being the managers to being the consultants. And you're still the manager, Mm -hmm. which is appropriate, but what we're encouraging you to do is start that transition to becoming his consultant. I want a resilient kid, you know? Yes. And so that doesn't just come out of, you know, time served. And know that there's going to be failures along the way. Of course. And there's going to be moments where you're going to have to advocate more for him or you're going to have to control his time a little bit more than you would have hoped. And then you can have a conversation about, I mean, it's going to ebb and flow. For sure. But this is the, it's age appropriate at this time to start transitioning from being the manager of everything to being his consultant. Mm -hmm. And it's a shifting dynamic and it's going to be super fluid and it's going to take years. It will. It will. But starting with going back to the goals for this, this call that we're having with you is that where we really want you to start with having him own and manage his time a little bit. And Start there because what I don't want is I don't that. want to get 
I don't want to have a senior in high school who's like, mom, where are my soccer cleats? Mom, where's my green? I don't know. I didn't wear them, buddy. There you are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, because I've seen that, you know, as a, as most of my friends and my siblings, their kids are all older. And, and I watched that part of things happen. And I thought, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, you didn't wear them. You did. Why? You know, and it's very easy to sit in that perch of like, yeah. oh, how could yeah. that happen? Oh, I'm a fantastic parent not having any kids. <laughs> I said that because now I, I'm in that phase with um, several of my friends have younger kids. And I used to, I was really involved with that age when I was teaching preschool. And I go, I am just a fantastic parent for not having any children. Right, right, right. I have all sorts of opinions and judgments. (laughs) And I, I like my perch up atop my bed where I sleep till 11 if I want to. So I I totally get that. But (laughs) this is the perfect opportunity for you to, I mean, you were encouraging you to go to where you know is the right next step. Well, getting Mark on board yeah. is going to mm-hmm. be key. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be a little, and by the way, this is, it, it should be a little bit of a loss because he's not, a, he's not your baby at this point. Well, what we're talking about is create, establishing a grown up, right? So it's a, it's a, it's a shift in parenting roles. Sure. And when, when we sent him off to sleepaway camp the first year, we dropped him off and, um, there's this young college boy helping us, you know, take all the mm-hmm. stuff out and we're setting up the bed and it's all done. And, and, oh, and it's ready to kick us to the curb. And, and mm-hmm. I said to the counselor at this point, okay, so now where do the parents go? And he said, home. I was like, what, what, yes. what? And <laughs> that transition helped us with the next totally. one that he went. And then when he went for seven weeks, we were in an even better place for it. So I, I understand that part of this is an evolutionary um, mm-hmm. process. And truthfully, um, my parents were gone very early. And if I have, if that happens to me and he's left, I need to know that I've done yes. everything I can in the period of time that I'm here. And- yes, 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 yes. And just know that it's not going to be overnight and that you're going to start working toward this goal. And we want you to not get distracted by the quote, the new shiny object of, oh, he forgot this or this happened. The cumulative effect of, oh. Yes. <laughs> Stay the course. Stay the course. And then as a family, decide what the next step is in terms of fostering his independence. Well, your podcast has inspired us to engage in another kind of a tutor um, who is going to work with us to do a little bit more of this than just the Tuesday tutor does. Um, because we use words like executive function a lot more in our house and, and the need for calendaring and, and plan to fail or fail to plan, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Oh my gosh, this was well, so great. It's so fun. You guys are amazing. You really are the 20 minutes of my day that, that like, resets everything. So thank you. Uh, thank you so oh, much. That for, means so much. Thank you. You don't know what that does <laughs> to us. When we hear, when we hear from people who are listening to the podcast that we're making an impact, you know, you see where we're podcasting from. Steph's yeah. in bed. I'm in my kitchen. Like yeah. oftentimes, like I, I, we don't always <laughs> remember what we said because we're literally just having a conversation with each other. This podcast is a lot of work. So it, it means a lot to us. 
Yeah, it does. It really does. Well, and for me, I wasn't a great student as a kid. And so I have to just own my stuff and say, okay, what, what part of this is me saying, oh, I don't want the same thing to repeat itself. And yet I'm doing okay, even though I wasn't a great student in the sixth grade, you know? Well, ladies, I wish you tremendous success with this. And I look forward Thank to you. continuing to be one of your smarties and to keep learning. Okay. We appreciate you. Yay. Yay. And keep us updated. Will you let us know how he's doing in the Facebook group? Yes, I will. I will. Awesome. We loved getting to spend this time with Meg, and it was so fun to hear her bring up what we had said on other episodes that had resonated with her. And we want to remind you, Meg, to start with only organizing his time and getting your tutor or whoever is working with your son next on board with implementing this plan. Self-advocacy is a slow transition, and it was great for all of us to remember that asserting our needs or talking about where we went wrong is vulnerable for all of us. You can start very small with this. We often write emails on behalf of our learners to their teachers or parents. Even the very youngest of our students read these before we hit send. This is the perfect starting point to start including your student, modeling how you speak about yourself and your feelings, and how this can be difficult for us grown-ups too. We also want to remind you, Smarties, to join our Smarties of the Learn Smarter Podcast Facebook group because we'll be going live on Thursday, February 7th at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we're excited to hang out with all of you in our new once-a-month office hours. We'll be there the first Thursday of every month, so join our group and come hang out with us. Have a great day, Smarties. See you next week. Bye, Smarties.